Well, I'm glad you're here, and uh, I know a lot of people are uh, unsure whether or not to be here this morning. I know there are churches in our own community unsure whether they should gather together, and um, but uh, we're here, and so we're going to open up the Word of God, and uh, this morning our focus is on the need. Um, yesterday, kids and I and Jamie went out to the stores over in Springfield. There's a couple things we wanted to grab, a couple places we wanted to go, and uh, just to prepare for some snowpocalypse or snowmageddon, whichever you're calling it. And I uh, went into uh, a Walmart over there, and I was just blown away by all the empty shelves. I just could not believe what I was seeing. And, um, but we've, we've got, I think, everything we need just in case we're snowed in for the week. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I mean, they tell, tell us in the weather we're going to get dumped on, and we did like a dusting, and they say we're going to get a dusting, and we did dumped on. So I don't know what to expect, really. I know it's going to be cold, and you have already experienced that. I don't need to tell you that, but um, we're focusing on the need this morning. There's a lot of things in life that we need, and our, our focus is going to wrap up the conversation that Jesus had with the woman at the well in John chapter 4. If you want to make your way there, we're going to begin in verse 27 here in a moment and go our, our, the way through verse 42. Um, I'd like to give you a little homework assignment this week. I'm going to give you a couple, actually, during the course of our time in God's Word this morning. One of them I'd like you to do, and, and since some of us may be snowed in uh, this week, is to read John chapter 3, the conversation Jesus has with Nicodemus, and then read John chapter 4, the conversation Jesus has with the woman, and just kind of look at what they talk about, what Jesus uses to try to get each individual to understand the truth and their need, and also take notice on how each person res responds to what Jesus is presenting to them and what they need through the truth. We're going to look at four different needs that we are all to take part in and are to be aware of when it comes to being God's children that our passage today uh, gives us. So let's begin reading verse 27, and we'll walk through this together. Just then his disciples came back, and they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing us to be in this warm facility where we can be in your presence with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you for your word, which is rich and speaks to our hearts and corrects us, trains us, rebukes us for righteousness. Father, I pray in this time you alone be glorified. 
that I would not be in your way of what you need to do in your children's lives, in my own life. Lord, that you would have your way with us. So open our hearts to be receptive to your word. Open our ears to be able to hear it. Give us eyes to see it and a mind to understand it. Father, we don't want to just be hearers of your word. We want to be doers and appliers. So we can be what you call a wise builder. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ who aren't here this morning, whether it's because they're ill or just uh, a little timid because of the weather. Father, we pray that you just would speak to their heart in a very special way, that you would draw them close to you. And Lord, we just ask that you alone be glorified in this time, that your kingdom and will would be done in each and every life. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we've, we've been spending some time in John chapter 4. We actually began before Thanksgiving came around, or after, right after Thanksgiving came around, and we took a little break. But uh, what we're doing is we're kind of wrapping up this conversation. And in verse 27, the disciples now emerge back on the scene in the midst of this conversation. If you were to read earlier in the chapter, which again is your homework to read John chapter 4 and chapter 3, you're going to see that Jesus sends them into the town to go get food and supplies as they're journeying north into Galilee, and they stop outside the Samaritan village in order to kind of recoup and get their strength back. We're also told early in the chapter, not particularly here, but we can see it in the disciples' response in verse 27. We say, what do you seek and why are you talking with her? is that John has already pointed out to the fact that Jewish people do not associate with Samaritan people, let alone a Jewish male associating with a Samaritan woman who has a questionable reputation. The questions they ask in verse 27 were not audible, but they're definitely directed towards Jesus and this woman. And the Greek implies this is a conversation that the disciples were having with one another, trying to figure out what they have come up upon. But they really didn't say anything because they arrived. The interruption almost dismisses the woman to go back to town. There's some theories that maybe when these men were coming out, she became intimidated and felt like she needed to leave the area. Whether or not it's the case, we can know she came out for water. But the passage clearly states that she left her water jar at the well. She left with something greater, though. Instead of coming for water, she found living water. and She came to understand who this man at the well was in being Jesus the Christ. This is something, just to give you a little help with your homework, that Nicodemus does not come to the conclusion with at the end of chapter 3 when he spends time with Jesus. Now there could be several reasons that she left the water drawer. Perhaps she discovered and understood finally what the living water that Jesus had been speaking about and re- realized that the water from the well wasn't really something she needed anymore. She may have forgotten it. She may have just rushed back into town understanding that this understanding she had of the Christ needed to be shared with the people she lived with even though they despised the, her themselves. Possibly... She left it there because she was intending to come back. And she wanted Jesus and these, mellow, or these men that came to the well to be able to use it if they needed to. All of it would fit, but the most important is she went back to the village and immediately started sharing what happened to her at the well that day. And this reveals our first need. And the need we need to understand, and that is the need to be invited. According to a 2018 poll, 17%, 17% of all churchgoers in America will only extend one invitation to another individual over the period of six months. 
In the same poll, three out of ten say that they have never invited anyone to church. And a different poll has found that 82% of the unchurched are likely to attend church if a friend, co-worker, neighbor, or family member would simply invite them to come. Within that same poll, it says only 2% of all churchgoers actually invited an unchurched person. And according to a Gallup poll, 50% of Americans belong to some sort of church. Now, if we did the math, the U.S. population is estimated, estimated to be 331 million which means that there's 165.5 million people who do not go to church. And according to those polls, this would mean 135,710,000 people would simply attend church if someone would get the nerve to invite them. I think we experienced this a couple of weeks ago when we had our night of worship. I, I began looking back and just being amazed at what God did. We were probably about 50-50. 50% of people here on that night were actually people who regularly attend here on Sunday morning. And the other 50% were simply invited by friends and family, and they showed up. People are willing to be invited. We just have to extend the invitation. This woman was not inviting the Samaritan village to come out to the well. What was she inviting them to do? Come see this man. Is this the Christ? Is this Jesus? And when we're inviting people to church, we're not inviting people to come to Harvest Hill. We're inviting people to come and experience the God who loves them and knows them and the God who knows what we need. This woman understood as she met Jesus that she could not keep her understanding of who he was to herself. But the problem is she goes back into her little village and she has a bad reputation. Jesus brought that out in the conversation. She's been with five men. The sixth man she's currently with is not her husband. But instead of going into the town, with her, with, even with her bad reputation, instead of debating with people, all she does is invite them. Can this be the Christ is her question in verse 30. That could mean she's still wrestling with the information that she just discovered. Yet some believe she is simply giving the opportunity for the people in her village to come and, co and come to the same conclusion that she has concerning Jesus. Have to keep in mind, she's an outsider in her own village. Her witness has been tainted by her lifestyle choices. She probably didn't have too many people in her town that looked on her with favor. Her question could be from the point of view of knowing she did not have much ground to stand on with her own peers. But she's not going to doubt Jesus. She's not going to allow the doubting of the people to, to, to take control of how she's going to respond to Jesus. She's not going to allow that to change her conclusion about what she's come about with Jesus. So she's going to go and she's going to invite them, hey, why don't you come and figure it out for yourself? Why don't you come to understand what I have come to conclude? Come see and experience God for yourself. Notice she doesn't deliver any theological debates. She doesn't deliver any sort of conversation that she and Jesus were having. She doesn't try to teach them a lesson about living water. She simply says, this man told me all that I ever did. Which I'm sure in her village wasn't a big surprise for a lot of people. They're probably fully aware of what she's been, aware of, what she's been involved in. But through her invitation, we can take a note of how to invite people to come to church. 
Would you like to come to church? Would you like to come and hear about the God who knows everything about us, who loves us, and He knows everything we need? Tumors about this particular chapter as the disciples return. What did they go into yet again? Food. And they always were successful in bringing food out, but the humorous part is when they come and they bring the food to Jesus, what does Jesus say? I'm not hungry. Which makes me think Jesus actually dismissed these men so he could have this conversation with this woman because they most likely would have been a barrier to this conversation. They most likely had their Jewish prejudices growing up about Samaritan people, particularly Samaritan women, and Jesus had to excuse them out of the situation. Perhaps that what is what we need to do with our peers and co-workers and people in class is we need to invite them to a place where we can be together and excuse us from all the other distractions that may take us away from this conversation. It's also funny, as, as they try to get Jesus to eat and he says, I've already eaten, the disciples themselves become just as confused as the woman was when he was talking about living water. But unlike the woman, Jesus offers them some insight. He tells them, verse 34, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work. The word food in verse 34 is not referring to actual food, just like living water wasn't referring to actual or physical water. The word food in the Greek just denotes any kind of nourishment. Jesus is telling His disciples He finds substance in doing what God sent Him to do and completing the Word of God that God had assigned Him to do. He was revealing His fulfillment and satisfaction in life as in what God told Him to do, and He was mirroring what God told His people to do in the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, it says, "...and He humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know." that He might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. This reveals our second need, the need to be nourished by God. Jesus was finding nourishment because He was doing the Father's will in making God known, even to this Samaritan woman from a Samaritan village. We have to keep in mind, the Samaritans, they had a Jewish heritage. Okay, they, were, they had Jewish blood running through their veins. But when they came back to the land after the exile, they began to intermarry with the people of the land, making the true Jews look at them as half-breeds. And they cut them off from the temple worship. They had no access to God in Jerusalem because of the decisions their forefathers had made. Yet here is Jesus revealing Himself not only to a Samaritan, but a Samaritan woman, that He is in fact her Savior just as much as He is the Savior of the Jews back in Jerusalem. And there's nothing more satisfying in our life than knowing that we have been used by God than in bringing someone into a relationship with God. Living in obedience is the expectation that God has for us as His people. And Jesus accomplishing the work here in Samaria, brought him the satisfaction that physical food could never bring him. R.A. Whitaker writes that doing the will of God is Jesus' food and is such for his followers also. So that brings us to a question, how malnourished or nourished are we when it comes to the things of God and when it comes to God's Word? Jesus said later in John chapter 6, As a living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. 
Not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Even though we just come into 2021 with all of its joys so far, what I'd like to give another challenge is if you have not begun a Bible reading plan, find a Bible reading plan. I, and I, don't, I, I love devotions. I know we have a lot of people who do devotions and use devotions. But I mean really get into the Word of God. Not what someone else is interpreting, but just to read the Word of God and allow God's Word to speak over your heart. There are so many resources out there. We are literally without excuse to not be reading the Bible every day. And so it, it may be, hey, I, I know I'm a month and a half into 2021, but I'm going to finish the entire Word of God before this year's out. Maybe it's, I'm going to read the entire New Testament. I'm going to read the entire Old Testament. Or maybe you're just going to jump around and I'm going to read this book, and then I'm going to read this book, and then I'm going to read this book. I don't know, but there are so many resources out there that we can get a hold of that can guide us through a step and process on how to finish the Bible in a particular moment in time. We have to be nourished by God's Word because this world is trying to feed us garbage. And this is the only truth we have. This is the only thing that actually pour love into our lives and love into our hearts so we can love others as God has loved us. We live in a country where we can freely open the Bible anywhere and everywhere at any time. So students, I've subbed a couple times at the schools, and I know for a fact there are times when you are in class, you have time to read a book. Or you can get on your computer and play a game. I want to challenge our students. Take your Bible to school with you. You can have your Bible with you. Pull it out when you have time to read and open it on your desk and read the Word of God. Adults, get the Bible app. We can have multiple translations on our phone or electronic device and have access to it anytime we want. We can even turn it on so it reads to us. Right, Sarah? Right. <laughs> And just listen to it. Allow God to speak over your hearts. The sad reality is there are more adults who open their Facebook and Instagram than they do their Bible. We have to be people of the Word. We have to be nourished. This is the only thing that will nourish our soul. We have this incredible freedom here in America that we can read it anywhere we want. And I think we forget there are places in this world on this day where families literally have to bury their Bibles because if they get found with it, it will mean their death. There are countries in this world where people are fortunate enough just to have snippets of the Bible, and they only have snippets because it's easier to hide than the whole thing, because if they were found by their government, they would be thrown in prison or put to death. In North Korea today, it is considered breaking the law to simply have a Bible. And if you were to have a Bible, you would be arrested and put to death. On May of 2014, Jeffrey Fowle, who was an American, was arrested for five months, to which 23 hours during those five months, he was put in isolation. Only one hour a day was he allowed to be with another individual, simply because he had a Bible that he hid in a newspaper at a hotel for someone else to get, and they caught him. In Saudi Arabia, you can have a Bible, but if it's discovered that you have read your Bible out loud, you will be put to death or thrown in prison. In many Israeli countries, if you were to convert to Christianity and then therefore found to have any portion of the Bible, significant punishment would follow. The point is, is we are blessed. 
in this nation to be able to have God's complete Word, and we are able to read it without fear of harm. We need to take advantage of it. As Jesus reveals to His disciples where His nourishment was found in sharing, living, and doing God's work, He then reveals to His disciples that they and we have a part to play. It's not just to keep, continue to nourish our souls, but our third need is the need to do our part. Verses 35 through 38, Jesus starts using yet another analogy, this one of the harvest. There's several layers to unpack when it comes to harvest. There are two central figures that Jesus brings into this analogy. One is the reaper or the harvester, and the other is the sower or the planter. The sower is the one who plants the seeds. The seeds Jesus is speaking of is the gospel. The reaper is the one who gathers the crop. And with the analogies of water and food are used by Jesus, we know Jesus isn't talking about agricultural living. He's trying to get the disciples to get to a deeper spiritual pr- tr- truth concerning gospel living and gospel preaching. And so several layers. Jesus saying disciples concerning the sower and the reaper and the harvest. Verse 35 is a common saying among Jews concerning time of planting and reaping, but Jesus taking this to the level of people. In verse 35, He tells His disciples, Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes. He's referring to something that is literally physically happening that if they would just look, they could see what God is doing and what God has placed them in the midst of. The word white in verse 35 and other translations is read as ripe or ready. Meaning Jesus wants them to look up and to see what is ripe, what is ready, what is white for the harvest. Because the Samaritans, guys, they're coming out of the village because there was a woman I just spoke with who pointed them to me, the Christ. She went in and shared about what she experienced. And then in verse 36 through 38, Jesus is now doing the point of calling his disciples to be ready for the ministry that is about to bombard them, whether they're ready for it or not. The reaper, verse 36, could refer to any number of individuals. It may be referring to Jesus and the conversation he had with this woman. It could be referring to the woman and the conversation she had with the people of her village. It could be both. But in either case, eternal fruit is being made. And by verse 38, Jesus is telling His disciples, you better be ready because the eternal harvest is coming your way. This we understand when He says in verse 36 about gathering fruit for eternal life. It means to bring people into God's kingdom so they might enjoy eternal life. The only way to do this is that people have to meet Jesus. And this is what, Jesus, what this woman did when she goes to her village and what Jesus is calling His disciples on this day and His disciples today to do by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have a part to play in this world which carries eternal ramifications. We are now sowers and reapers. Take me further and say, you know what? God's been sowing the gospel message since the beginning of creation and now in 2021, we're simply allowed to reap the benefits of what God has already laid. The reality of Jesus' statement is there are going to be some who sow and there are going to be some who reap. There are some of us who are going to sow more than we reap and some of us are going to reap more than we sow. I think all of us want to be reapers, though. We all want to be the individual that is leading the multitudes to Christ and being the one just to pray with them. And and there's something, if you've never been in that situation of seeing someone led to Christ or being the person God uses to lead someone to Christ, there's something about it that you fully understand what Jesus said when He has been fully nourished 
by doing the will of God. There is some emotional response that God blesses us with to realize, wow, I'm actually living out the purpose to which God still has me for on this planet. But Jesus is pointing out not everybody is going to be a reaper. Some of us are going to be sowers. Some of us are simply throwing out gospel seeds left and right, and we may not be able to be the person that sees the reaping. But notice what he says in verse 36. No matter what role we play, we all rejoice together. It's believed that the average person needs to hear, see, and experience the gospel a multiple of times before they will accept it as truth. And this means by our lives and our conversations, through our presenting the gospel, we are all taking a part in sowing and reaping. And we all are to rejoice together to be a part of that. Billy Graham Evangelistic Association says, one of the greatest ways to share your faith is to live a godly life. And just think of this for a second. This is how God has been using you and me this week. Whether we've been aware of it or not, all throughout this week, by the way we've been living, by the conversations we've been having, by the way we've treated people and responded to situations, we have been sowing seeds of the gospel. And you and I may not be able to see the harvest of that sowing, but then God's going to bring along someone just at the right time who has the right words, who can connect to that individual. And because we sowed the seeds, they are able to reap for the gospel but we rejoice together because we've all been a part of it. You know, this church isn't about Pastor Mike. This church is about all of us working together, sowing seeds of the gospel. And sometimes Pastor Mike gets to reap those seeds, but sometimes it's, it's Richard Campbell, sometimes it's John Edwards, sometimes it's Mike Marler, sometimes it's, it's you all who reap the benefits simply because God spoke to you and you went and invited someone to come and experience God for themselves. But we all have a part in this harvest as we edge closer and closer to the coming of God's kingdom. God is going to equip us. He already has. He's going to equip us to do His will, to be His ambassadors and be His light. And so we should take joy. And, and another challenge we want to have, here's your second challenge, or third maybe. Sometime this week, think back about the people who are in your life who were sowers and then who was the reaper. You know, I grew up in a pastor's home, and so I was at church every single Sunday, and so I heard the Word of God. I had, I had Bible stories read to me. This was before VeggieTales, so I, I can't remember. It was like, was it a Johnny and David, the dog and the... Is that the right one? Davy and Goliath. That's, yeah, thank you, Esther. But So those were the, the cartoons or claymation things I had when it came to, to God's Word being poured into me on a Sunday morning. And even though that was poured in from my mom and my dad, it was a revival preacher who actually got to reap my salvation. Let's not overlook the part we all did to play in this incredible journey of life. We all are playing a part in helping someone to come to understand. So with this challenge, I also want to begin, I challenge you to pray for those people by name, in your life, that God has already placed for you to be the sower or reaper for them. Pray for them by name if you're not sure about their salvation. Pray that God would use you and God would bring the right people to begin sowing the seeds of the gospel. 
And then look for the doors that only God can open. Though godly living is important, the Bible also tells us how then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? You can look at Samaritan woman's actions. <clears throat> she understood something I think a lot of American Christians fail to remember. Samaritan woman understood that Jesus was not just for her. He was the Savior of the world. She came to understand this man is the Christ. She didn't understand everything about him. She probably didn't understand his eternal nature, understand his equality with God, but she understood this guy is the Christ. He is the anointed one, the Savior, Messiah of the world, and he's not just the Savior for me. He's the Savior for every other outcast that's back in that village. And so she goes back because she knew that no matter her past, no matter what others thought about her, no matter her failures, no matter how the people in her own village treated her, they all needed to personally come and meet Jesus. She was not going to allow any barriers to stop her. And this is why we preach. This is why we gather at church. This is why we do ministries. This is why we engage in missions. This is why we are called to be ambassadors. Because of the universal need, the need to personally know Jesus. This woman's lifestyle was no secret. Right? Imagine every man and every woman who was married to the man in the village knew her, her sort of lifestyle. She was most likely a threat to a lot of married women. And so when she comes back to the village and says, Hey, I went out to the water. I met this guy who told me everything I ever did. I imagine some of them kind of look at each other like, Yeah, I could have done that. But she wasn't going to stop what they thought about her, about her past about her brokenness, her sinfulness, her regrets. She wasn't going to let that stop her from proclaiming the news that there is a Messiah, a Savior out at the well, and everyone in this village needs Him. Can this be the Christ? That was her hook. She wasn't going to tell Him this is Him. She's going to say, could it be? Could it be the one we've heard of? Could it be the one they've been speaking about for so long? Could it be the one we've been expecting? Why don't you come out if you're just a least bit curious and find out for yourself? So that's what we do when we invite people to come to church, invite people to be involved in things, when we present the gospel. We're not going to engage in arguments with them. It's like, could this be truth could he be the one this woman already come to that conclusion as many of us here have already come to the conclusion about who jesus is he is the christ and she wanted everyone in that village no matter how bad they treated her to come to understand that he is the savior of the world not just the jews but of the samaritans as well and the Bible reveals that God commissions us, He empowers us, He desires to use us so we can take the gospel message into a world so they, those who feel that they are outcasts, those who feel that they are far from God like these Samaritans definitely did, can all come to understand the love of God and the salvation of God is for 
all. I've said it before, and it's, it's worth saying again. This country, this nation, our government, and this world will not change until people have come to understand that salvation is found in Christ alone. God is the only one that changes hearts. You can watch the news, you can find these individuals debating and arguing back and forth and nothing changes. That's because they need Jesus. And God in His abundance of mercy has given us, His people, everything we need to engage and accomplish this incredible task. Sowers and reapers. Maybe you're here today and you need to begin a personal relationship with God. Maybe your need this morning is to be in need of salvation. You need to come to understand that Jesus Christ is the Christ who died for you. He is your Savior. This is what makes the gospel the gospel or the good news. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your doubts. It doesn't matter your questioning. God created you for a relationship with Him. And it's your sins that are separating you from God. It's not your lack of understanding. It's your sin. And the Bible says we can't work out our own salvation. We can't earn our salvation. There's nothing we can do. It is only by the grace of God and the mercy of God we can be saved. And if we place our faith not in what we can do, but what Christ has done, in dying for our sins and rising again, so we might be forgiven and given eternal life, place our faith in that, the Bible says we will be saved and be given eternal life. You may be here this morning, and that's something you have come to understand that you need, because you don't have it. You don't have salvation. I'm going to be standing down here, and I'm going to just ask you to come down and say, Pastor Mike, I, I need to be saved. Pray together. We'll celebrate together. Maybe as we've gone through this text and we brought out the needs that the text reveals, there's been things in your life you realize that you haven't been fulfilling because you need them. Maybe you haven't been in the Word of God like you're supposed to. Maybe you haven't been sharing the good news like you're supposed to. Maybe you haven't been praying for the lost like you're supposed to. And maybe you need to come and kneel before the Father and repent of that. And pray for those individuals by name. This is a time we come to the invitation. It's a time where we not are just hearers of the word, but we're doers. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to ask Nick and Bridget to come and lead us. Then I'm going to ask you to come. Father, thank you for this day and for your word. Lord, thank you that you revealed to many of us here this morning that you are in fact the Christ, our Savior, the Son of the living God. Lord, thank you that you've been using us, even though we may have been unwilling to speak about it. Lord, you've been using our actions and, and the way we live our life and the way we treat people to sow the gospel of good news. Father, we pray for the individuals in our life. We pray for those you have specifically placed in our life that we might be the bearers of good news to them, that we might be the light and the salt. Let us be faithful to that. Lord, I pray in this moment, if there's anyone here this morning has come to the revelation that they need you as their Savior because they do not have you, they would have the courage to walk down the aisle and make that confession be made known today. Forgive me if I've gotten in your way. Lord, anything I may have said that was not for you is erased from our memory and our hearts. And pray us on the name of Jesus.